welcome back to the program around which a network was built. It's time for Funnel Radio. Right here in the Funnel Radio Network. For at work listeners like you. And today, well, we're talking about something that's near and dear to my heart. With the man who, well, who I always love bantering with here. Jim Obermeyer. Well, you know, I'm floating on air. I have to start the show by saying this morning my second grandson was born here. So that's the, that's the long story, the long and the short of it for me here today. So you can't wait to get over to the hospital. So how's that going to work with all these shows today? I don't know. We're gonna have, we may have to do some remotes from the road here or something. Oh, well, today our real story on this podcast is about long-form storytelling. You've talked about this for a long time, that podcasts are the ideal vehicle for doing a story and there are podcasts out there that's all they do is tell stories yeah exactly that's some of the more popular ones the the ones that npr popularized serialized stories week after week about uh, the one like the one that started it's serial about a serial murderer each week did he do it or didn't he do it i don't know tune in again next week boys and girls we'll get some more information for you here but for our business to business podcasts, for all of our different hosts, 15 different programs and 23 hosts, we encourage them to tell stories and maybe many of them personal stories. Did you say that Daryl Prale called in today? Daryl Prale. We uh, we hounded him. We begged him. We uh, forced him to call in from the road. And I think that's where he is. Daryl, are you with us? Gentlemen, I am here. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. You do a great story telling show that starts off our morning each and every Thursday here. How do you tell stories? Aren't stories the coin of the realm these days? Isn't that what every salesman's trying to do? He who tells the best story wins. You know, I've just spent the last two days at a couple of sales conferences, and storytelling was a big aspect of what they're trying to teach the sales folks. Yeah. Is, you know, when you're on the phone, you got to tell a story. It's not about pitching a product. It's about connecting. And stories connect. They've done it for centuries and millennium. Yes. You always tell a story around the campfire. That's what we get. People like you. They trust you. They want to be with you. Then you tell a story that's engaging. So, and, yeah, it's huge. And the two things about stories that I always love is, one is you see yourself in the story. You can relate to them now. Oh, I was like, that. oh, that's, I, I get it, or, I, or it reveals something about yourself. You're more human to them suddenly. You're not just a robot trying to sell them features and benefits and write a check. But beyond that, a story, if it's a good story, is probably something you will share with somebody that day. Hey, somebody told me, so I just met the guy who did this, uh, who played golf with Tiger Woods or something here. Whatever the story is, if it's good enough, you'll not only remember it, you'll probably retell it again and again. Well, hey, Paul, Daryl started most of his programs with stories, and we hear about his wife, we hear about his son, his son in marketing. He has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and he tells a story as he introduces his guests. So very often we'll get four or five minutes talking about a subject and how Daryl has struggled with it, very often personally or in business, and then he gets to his guests. Daryl, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, it's funny how that all began, because I've always known storytelling is relevant. And this, this began organically simply because I wanted to connect just me to my podcast audience. Because the challenge I have on a podcast, and it really is no different than a sale, is that I'm going to bring in a different expert every single week. So there's really no continuity. The only continuity is me. So that's why they keep coming back. Maybe they'll get some sound bites. But hopefully they come back because they just 
like me and that I'm just like them. But the only way I could do that was to start telling stories. And it was so funny because when I started doing that, I remember asking you, Jim, oh, a couple months into doing that, what did you think about it? And your reaction was gold. Now, now Jim listens to every single one of my podcasts. <laughs> His comment was, well, Daryl, first I thought it was a little bit, you know, you had some ego going on there talking about yourself. He goes, but now I love it. And that's the way the audience reacts. I get more people coming up to me, and they'll do two things. They'll say, I really liked your guest you had on that podcast. And then they'll say, but you know that story you told about Thanks. your first job, your wife, your kid? Right. I can so connect. With, I get both of those. And it really works well to develop rapport and trust. We had somebody on a show recently here, like, and they were about building personal brands. That's another buzzword. Everybody, even if you work for a big company, you better stand out within the company, not just stand out to your clients, but stand out within the company. Don't be anonymous. And she said, best way to build a personal brand, have a personal story that you share all the time. The story of you. Something that brings to light who you are. Some funny story, some silly story. Maybe the story changes over time. But it's a personal story, and the object is... Instantly, you can tell it in an elevator. It's, it's sort of like the elevator pitch, but it's an elevator story. And it captures who you are, stick out in their mind. Oh, that's the guy that, whatever, only wears blue or something, whatever it is. What do you think of that? The beauty of what you're saying, I, mean, I, I get people saying, well, I can never do what you do. I'm not good at storytelling. Right. And I'm like, how? I mean, this is the one thing you know best. You know you and your life and politics and your points of view, and, and you sit with your friends and you sit with your family over coffee, over beverages, and you shoot the breeze. It's no different. Do it on a sales call. Do it on a podcast. Do it in a personal brand-building way on LinkedIn, on Twitter, what have you. The thing that people get hung up on is they get hung up on being transparent and vulnerable. They think it's going to affect their credibility. And what they're not appreciating is that it has the opposite effect. It makes you approachable, makes you believable, and people want to transact business with you. Well, interesting, because many of your programs start, Daryl, without saying what the subject matter is, which some of the podcast experts say, oh, we start with a subject and then introduce right away because people are impatient. Who, who are you going to talk to? What's the, the podcast all about? And go. And you don't do that. You start off with some funny things, and you start off with this discussion. And I was thinking of this. I was talking to my wife about this. My son approached me about this particular issue. Or I had this problem 15 years ago when I was a marketing manager. And you go on about it, you say, well, gee, where is this going? And then you begin to get involved in the story. And then you say, oh, well, I've got the guy here that solves this kind of a problem. And before he answers that, i got to tell you, as I smile every time I listen, because I'm engineering these shows most mornings, I love to hear that because it draws me in. Because each week... I'm trying to see, where is he going with this thing? Where is this leading? You know, where is this going to come out on the other end? And it's fascinating how he starts way over here in left field and then brings it into the point here. Well, see, the thing about podcasting especially, and sales is a little bit the same way, is that people have the ability to fast forward 30 seconds or 60 seconds or a minute, and they often will do that. Right. But if I start off with a story, they want to hear where I'm going because it sets the stage. And the story hopefully is entertaining and relatable, and they want to hear that. So I, I'm actually doing that, not only to build relationships, but 
but a little bit to stop them from doing fast forward on that's it that's the trick you're just trying because they're like they can't cut through this where is this going i don't know where this if you're giving them three tips they can say yeah yeah i know those first two let's cut to the last one here but if you're telling some wandering story i always remember years ago i'm going to date myself here and tell a story i got to meet the great jimmy stewart and he was famous for that. You know, he would just ramble on for ten minutes. Says, oh, 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 well, well, you know, and and you 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 just hung in every word because you couldn't see where he was going. It was so awkward and so slow paced. But it just pulled. And then there was always some funny point at the end of the thing, and you just had to hang in there. Well, we'd love to have you hang in, but we got another show host. We thank you for calling in wherever you are. You're on the road somewhere, and you pulled over to tell I us a story. I did. So I will let you go. Have a wonderful show. These guys rock, people. I love their episodes. Good job on you for listening to this guy. to the back. Well, luck, thanks guys. for joining us here and telling your stories. Well, Jim, there you go. There's a storyteller. We got another one with us here. Another storyteller calling in to tell us her story. Jean Hopkins. Hey, Jean, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing today? We're swapping stories, and I started the show by telling the story that I've been telling everybody for the next 24 hours. My second grandson was born this morning at 8.15, so i I got lots of stories to share today. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> what, what did they name the baby? My daughter, I had adopted a, a girl from Mexico, so she's of Hispanic heritage, so I assumed mm-hmm. she's going to give it some, and she's married to a, a really nice young Hispanic guy. But I'm Irish. I'm as Irish as Patty's pig. And I kept pressing her saying, can't we find a little Irish name to stick on this little boy? And sure enough, they called him Aiden. Aiden is a real old Irish name here. So I thought, well, here's a kid that's ready to start talking right away like I did. He's Irish. Oh, that's great. Kiss of the Blarney Stone, right? Exactly. There you go. Exactly. So how do you feel about long-form story? You're telling a different story on your show. I'm fascinated by what you're doing because what you're doing is telling the story of your own people, not just to the outside world, but to the inside world. Talk about well, that. She's getting, she's getting those people to tell the story. Yeah, which right. Is, she's getting somebody to do her work for her. Well, yeah, that's maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> what we were trying to do with Table Fries is on an internal audience interviewing the women of Lola.com because many of them have never been on a podcast. They may never have done any type of a digital presentation, never mind a live presentation, and trying to get them to break the ice. I run a Toastmasters group here to get Mm. people to figure out how to speak under 60 seconds and eliminate the ahs and the ums and understand that you can breathe when you're talking. And we have a full studio set up here, which is really quite nice, unlike the when we first started right. the show and you right. guys were trying to edit all the echoes and oh, the everything boy. out it of it. Oh, boy, it was a challenge, yeah. It was a challenge. But what we've learned is that we started even a, a Wicked Loving blog, which is a sort of, it, it's an external blog available, but we're taking the table fries content of our engineers, of our developers, of the 50% of the team members at Lola that are female and giving them a voice, giving them a chance to be able to start building their personal brand. 50% and of your staff are women? That's That's got to be yes. a rarity in today's and, world here. And 50% of the executive team. Wow. Yes, wow. Are women. So, so our that's a story was, worth that's a story worth telling. Does everybody in the company know that? Do they tell that story, or does this get them to open up and learn more about the story of you and maybe share that story to customers, friends, family? 
It is interesting that sometimes I, I remember going to an event somewhere and I introduced myself and they said, oh, do you do table fries? And I said, yeah, that's the podcast that I do. I'm like, wow, this is like, wow, I never knew it had any kind of a reach because it was really designed to be much more of an internal training. Right. But it's also given the team the opportunity to get to know other people in the organization as a result. I will say last night we put an impromptu panel together. I don't know if you you have the plague impacting you on the West Coast, but we've got some sort of funky flu thing. And no, it's not the coronavirus flu. It's That's what everybody's scared about here. Yeah, we've got, because we've got a large Chinese population and ships coming yeah. in all the time from China. Yeah. But not so much here, but it's just, it's apparently some sort of a flu that is a four or five day kind of a flu that's it's kind of wiping out large swaths of the team. Wow, okay. So our VP of product was supposed to be talking to a group of 40 seniors from Northeastern University last night here at our offices, but she's out sick. So we quickly put together a panel that consisted of a sales individual, a software engineer, and a product manager. And I was able to use my experience with table fries to be able to interview each of them about their career paths, why they chose Lola, how, hmm. what exactly is their job, to be able to teach these women that were coming in to try to learn more about the company. So it does pay off in multiple ways. Well, I have one more question, and I'll let Jim jump in here, and that is, are people ready to tell their story? Are they embarrassed? Are they open to it? Are they good at it? Actually, they are. If you ask questions, uh, so tell me a little bit about how, how did you end up here at Lola? Everyone's story is so different. There's people that have been here for two months, two years, four years, and they all have a different way, and they're able to connect to other people that have been interviewed on Table Fries. And if you ask a question such as, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? It is a point of reflection, but I will tell you that I do give them, here's a sense of the questions, and then I'll review with them ahead of time. I will ask a question, what's the last book that you read? Did you like it or not? And that seems to open people up. They're very hesitant in the beginning. It's it's a difficult concept to grasp, but once they're through it, they're like, "Oh, oh, that was painless. And it is painless because it is a conversation, that's all. I don't think most people are used to telling their own stories. They think it's not appropriate. They're not used to just, hi, let me tell you the story about this and something. But I'm Irish, and that comes naturally to me. <laughs> I went to Ireland one only time, and I would walk up to somebody on the street. I remember I was in Dublin, and I asked somebody, how do you get to O'Connell Street, famous street that we wanted to go to? And they told me a 20-minute story. Oh, O'Connell. Oh, when my grandfather first met my grandmother. Ah, oh, what a rat he was. Ah, oh, if only it hadn't happened. And I'm like, I just wonder how to get to the street. Everybody. So that's part of the culture there. And and I've inherited, even though I'm third or fourth generation here. But uh, I, I think most Americans are hesitant to open up and tell you their story, their personal story. What do you think, Jim? Are you a tell people your story in the grocery line? No, not really. However, my wife does. And it's amazing <laughs> how many friends she has and I don't have because she does that. Now, Paul, you've got a great oh, we lost bar you again. He had in Newport Beach, California. He was he owned the bar. It was I an did. Irish bar. It was an Irish pub, and it was really that. It was we just sat and told stories, and that's what people. It was a cheers like place. It was a <laughs> pub we had for another places, and they, you know, like that. Everybody's supposed to know your name. Everybody's supposed to be glad you came, and, and that is 
what is so missing in American society here today? We don't have the local pub where we hang out. We don't have the yeah. the community yeah. groups, the church groups, whatever that used to connect us in the same way. And I think people are hungry for storytelling. And I think to a certain degree, they've lost the art of long form story, not just a quick snippet. How are you? But let's sit down and tell me the story of you. Tell me the story of your company. Well, podcasts have the ability to be long-form storytelling simply because we've got 25 minutes. And a a podcast has room for 2,500 to 5,000 words. The average is about Mm 4,000 words. So there's plenty of time to tell those stories. And they'll give you the time. That's what I find is so amazing. That's why I said to Jim, and I don't think people get this. There is no other... Maybe audiobooks, the same thing, where we'll set aside time to listen, where we're not immediately hitting for the quick button, the next button. Okay, great. Fast forward it. Cut to the point. Cut to the chase. Uh, (laughs) Get rid of that commercial. (laughs) Yeah, right. And and zip it forward. What's the point here? I just want to skim through it and go. I don't have time. But you're stuck in a car. You're at the gym. You're walking. You can't watch. You can't read. You still want to do something. Uh, entertain me, educate me, tell me a story, boys and girls. And so they'll sit back and give you that relaxed time that they don't take to listen any other place. Now, Gene, has your storytelling skills improved as you've listened to the stories of the people on your staff? Yeah, right. Are you a better storyteller? You know, I don't know if I'm a better storyteller, guys. I think I might be a better listener. I, Mm. I, I was just listening to you, Paul, and you, Jim, talk about this a little bit. And one thing, you're going to laugh at me, but older women, much older women, like your grandmother, kind of older women, my mom, when you're talking to them, they don't have a chance to talk enough. They may have lost their partner. I mean, I know my mom talks to my dad, but my dad, as I say, has selective hearing. So when I go to visit, she has all this these pent-up words that she has to get out. But even when you, I remember being in a grocery store one day and just, waiting at the the deli section to get some lunch meat or something. And this woman was talking, and and it was clear that she just didn't have a chance to talk to anybody. And so I talked to her, and she told me a story because they always have great stories. If you listen to them and you listen carefully and you wish them a very nice day, I received a wonderful hug in response because they're starving for attention. And I think if we could pay a little bit more attention to our grandparents and to our parents and allow them to tell you the same story for the 400th time, yes, right. but they want to be able to have a conversation. And I think, I think most people do. Paul and, and I agree. Jim. I think they're starved. We're all we're all yeah, sitting yeah. at virtual work or in cubicles or whatever. We're not connecting the way we should. And a story right. is a great way to connect. It's what tribes always do to connect people to the tribe. Yes. Right? Let me tell you the story of how we Absolutely. do things around here, kid. Let me tell you how it was in the old days, you know. Exactly. Well, I've got a, so I've got a story here. My wife sings in a choir. Okay. And I remember going to a choir party that she had from all the people in the choir in Los Angeles about fifteen years ago. Right. And it was a birthday party, and she said, would you go? And I said, well, you know, I got stuff to do, and yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, I'll go. I always like doing things with Sue. And, <laughs> right. And she said, I don't know anybody there, but, you know, so we go in the store, we go into the party, and everybody's here, and I know, obviously, the choir members. And there's this old, this old guy sitting in the corner, gray hair, and he's just sitting there, and he's mm-hmm. talking to a couple of kids, and but he's sitting there alone a lot. I said, well, that's somebody I can talk to. So I went over and talked to him. And I had forgotten that this woman's family, they were movie producers. Oh, wow. wow. And he's a, I'm not going to say his name. He was a famous movie producer. 
and nobody else was talking to him. So we sat down. Isn't that amazing. And, and, what stories he must have, yeah. Yeah, he eventually came out with, oh, yeah, I've done this and that, and he wasn't making a big deal out of it. And then I started hearing stories about Hollywood. Uh, who was the famous dancer uh, during the 40s? Oh, Fred, uh, Gene, Astaire. Fred Astaire. Yeah. Kelly? Gene Kelly. Fred Astaire. Right. Fred Astaire was his, was his best friend at one time, and he oh said, my, my wife, goodness. I wanted to buy Fred Astaire's old... Uh, he had a big uh, Rolls Royce, and he said, I wanted to buy it. It was only two years old. My wife wouldn't let me mm -hmm. buy it. Now, here's a guy who produces <laughs> movies, and his wife wouldn't let him buy a Rolls Royce because wow. she thought it was too pretentious. Now, look what just happened. You're, you're remembering a story from a long time ago, and we suddenly brought that memory out. Stories are like smells that you retain or yeah. something. Yeah. There's something Provocative. deep with, and they, yeah, it suddenly evokes this memory here, and suddenly you felt compelled to die. I've never, we've known each other 11, 12 years. You've never told me that story before. <laughs> That's amazing. That's well, this, this person, whatever there were, parties there and get-togethers, I always went, and I met his son, and he was a producer, and I didn't think, yeah, well, he's okay. And I met the rest of the people, but I always liked sitting down with him, and he's smile. He was still producing movies at the time. It's not oh, like wow. he was retired. Wow. Yeah. Well, that and we won't... talked about his travels and, and what he was doing, and I love asking people questions. I don't like revealing much about myself, but... Anyway, that's that's well. Thank you, Gene, story. for joining us. We got, got good stories. Okay, you go talk to somebody else, guys. All right, thanks. Bye, Paul. All right, bye bye. Bye, Jim. Well, Bye. you just you just illustrated the power of story. You had I you, I don't see you as often sharing those kinds of stories. That's not who you are, and yet all of a sudden, and you could have gone on for ten minutes about it. suddenly all those memories are coming back here. Here's another good storyteller on the line, Susan Finch. Tell us a story. I can I tell you the story when I was two years old and I was a flower girl? <laughs> you were a flower girl at two years old and you remember that? Two. Wow. The neighbor was desperate for somebody to go up there. <laughs> Mainly I remember it because other people have told me the story since then. <laughs> so maybe it's uh, been embellished along the way. Maybe it's not your memory has improved no, it here. Everybody's pretty consistent with that one. So isn't that amazing? The earliest I, I used to do this for a fun party trick. I would if you if you were at one of these parties and you start talking about life and whatever, I would ask people, what's the earliest thing you remember? That's gotta be one of your earliest memories too. Most I can't remember my back. My very about, first memory is my cat given to me on my first birthday and I can still see my dad. Wow. I'm sitting on the ground in the entryway, my dad reaching down, pulling his kitten out of his pocket. Oh, wow, that's going to be magical. I, that's earlier than I can remember. But what about you? I'm about five, maybe. I can't remember much before about four or five. Yeah, but you guys are old. <laughs> well, that's your whole ouch. Oh, I think that's. I think the phone's getting cut off here. It's, uh, <laughs> now, Susan knows this maybe better because she teaches podcasting to people. And she's right. the DMA courses and everything. How does someone be tell stories on their podcast, Susan? I think that... I really agree with Daryl, and I love his method of opening it up with a story, because it immediately gives the audience something to grab onto. Right. And I think sometimes people make the storytelling too difficult. If you know the direction you want it to go, chances are you've already had a few memories triggered and a few stories, and they might be a reach on how they connect to what you're teaching or showing or interviewing somebody about. But for some reason, it connected to you. So for you to tell that story, not only is top of mind, but chances are it's a story that gives you joy to tell. And that will come through in your voice. And that will make people want to stay listening. Just like mm. Daryl said, you want to hook them and not have them fast forward to anything. You don't want them to miss a minute. So you think in the process of telling a story that I become 
more convincing because literally my voice changes. I'm 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 got more emotion because this means something to me, and I'm some unconsciously or consciously I'm suddenly becoming a more convincing speaker because I'm reaching people on an emotional level. I'm not a fan of the word convincing because that sounds to me that gets into that manipulation thing. Right. You become somebody that is more, that's warmer. That's somebody I would want to spend some time with and give you my attention. It pulls you in. It pulls me in and it makes you human. Right. That's the key. And it makes you the kind of human that might be able to entertain me or tell me something that will remind me of a story. How most of my stories come back to me. Somebody will say something like, oh, my gosh, I haven't thought about that in 30 years. And I think that's it. The stories are what connect us at a very deep level. It is. There have been a million books written about tribes. And uh, Seth Godin's famous book on tribes. And that's what the first thing you do is you teach everybody the stories. And if you're in a company, you teach them how things used to be. You teach them how things are. And you usually give stories to give examples of that. Well, what I've learned is with my own kids sitting around the table, because they're raised with on-demand information. Right. And chatting, where you're actually taking turns. When you chat with people, you know, through your phone and things, you're taking turns. They say something, you say something back. You wait for them to finish. When we all grew up, and in normal conversation, and to me, actually a healthier conversation, is learning how to interject at the same time, step on each other's toes. And right. Jim goes off about women doing this all the time. Women always talk over each other. <laughs> We're learning that. a lot about Jim here today. I didn't know this either. <laughs> but in Gene shows, when that happens, it's such a natural, joyful part of their conversations. When they do that, we don't think twice about it. Right. But my children say, I'm not done yet. Like, what do you mean you're not done yet? I had a thought. I'm just interjecting. Well, I'm not done like it's like they're holding the mic at the table and the turn has to be over yeah and my son just rolls his eyes and gives up but i i like your son i, I think your son I, is a stand-up guy <laughs> if stand- you need somebody to come live with tell him to come up here. a stand-up comedian or a stand-up guy here hey he's a yeah, stand-up he's guy pretty, this guy he likes to he likes to cook he's a... uh, he, he likes to eat steaks he can come up anytime anytime well i wish we could do this anytime but we're out of time so what's the takeaway uh susan and jim we'll start with susan what's the takeaway is this a is this a good is this a lost art and and podcasting it's is bringing it back it's a lost art, and people, think of your stories, folks. Just because the friends that you grew up with have heard the story 55 times, your new audience might not. Yeah. And you might trigger a story with them that will, again, trigger a story that you'd forgotten about in yourself. And there we have a conversation of real people telling things that are memorable, that can be applied to life, and sometimes into what you're doing in business. Memorable. Jim? Long before we had a written word there were stories that's yeah. how that's how people passed down from generation to generation the bible for we're how many thousand people years to tell more yeah. stories on our podcast right we encourage people to tell stories on their on their podcast well i hope right. everybody takes stories. a look at this as a new a rebirth of an old medium which is long form storytelling the columbia school of journalism did an article that i always quote and said this is a weird medium podcasting Everything else is getting shorter and more condensed, quicker, faster. Give me the sound bite. Give me the snippet. Give me the point. Cut to the chase, like half the audience is saying right now. And I say, that's not the point. Too many people do that, and you lose the texture, the the whole yeah. meaning of it. And, the humanity. Yeah, and, and 
they said in this article that podcasting is weird because it's the only medium going the other way. Maybe audiobooks fit in that same category where you will set aside time and you're in no rush. Okay, spin me the tale, tell me the story. Right. Just as, as a note, I know we're finishing up, but in my own blog, when I tell stories in that blog, mm-hmm. over 250, 500 words, when I tell stories and have a dialogue, those are always the most read blogs. I it's very interesting. Well, I know I've, we've overstayed our welcome here today, Paul, but so what's your final comment here, Paul, and then let's finish up. When I had to carry a bag many years ago and go out on the street and sell, the old guy took me aside and he said, and I'm trying to remember all the points and the features and the benefits and everything. He said, kid, forget all that. He who has the best story wins. Mm-hmm. There we go. Susan, thank you. All right. Oh, thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Well, that's the story of today, the Funnel Radio Channel. For at-work listeners like you, tune in each and every week as we spin our tales and tell our stories and share them with one another. 